From Maine Public Radio and mainepublic.org, I'm Carol Bousquet with the news on this day in Maine, Tuesday, February 14th. This Day in Maine is made possible by listener support and by Eastern Basements, a division of Maine-owned Eastern Mold Remediation, offering basement waterproofing solutions, easternbasements.com. The Maine Human Rights Commission has ruled that the University of Maine system discriminated against a transgender student by not covering gender-affirming care under a plan offered by her school. The student was denied care in 2019 while she was a student at the University of Southern Maine. The university contends that the insurance company, not the system, should be held liable for denying the coverage. But lawyers for the student argued that the university could have negotiated a plan that included coverage for gender-affirming care. The commission's deputy counsel, Kit Thompson-Crossman, pointed out that even after the system was notified that the procedures weren't covered, they failed to follow through with the insurance company. So there's no, there is no argument right now about, well, it would have cost too much or it would have been prohibited in some other way because they don't know. They never asked. Even though they were on notice that complainant had been denied these procedures, they didn't ask if it was even possible. The student ultimately received coverage after filing appeals. In a statement, the university system said that it values each of its students and looks forward to the opportunity to resolve the matter. The Maine Human Rights Commission has found that both the Auburn Housing Authority and one of its employees discriminated against a black tenant last year. Dominique Deschain contended that during a disagreement stemming from a water leak, a housing authority worker told her to shut up and used a racist phrase. One of the commissioners, Jeff Ashby, called the comment reprehensible. And is, in fact, severe enough to uh, meet the obligation uh, to show Uh, hostile environment. The commission found the Auburn Housing Authority at fault for failing to discipline the worker. An attorney representing the Housing Authority had argued that one comment didn't constitute discrimination. The U.S. CDC is reporting a marked increase in teen sexual violence since it began monitoring the measure a decade ago. The report released Monday found that nearly 15 percent of teen girls say they've been forced to have sex, an increase of 27 percent over two years. The executive director of the Maine Coalition Against Sexual Assault, Elizabeth Ward-Saxel, says national statistics are consistent with what's happening in Maine. Actually, about 50 percent of the calls to Maine Sexual Assault Helpline are about experiences of sexual violence um, by people who are under 18, um, and the majority of those being girls. The report also found that nationally, nearly one in three high school girls reported that they seriously considered suicide. Sexel says there's a strong correlation between sexual violence and suicidal ideation. There's a new hurdle in the effort to expand broadband in Maine, a workforce shortage. A recent study suggests 3,200 additional workers are needed for existing broadband investments across the state. Nicola Grisco reports. The workforce gap of software developers, fiber splicers, engineers, and others could grow to more than 4,500 workers. Depending on how federal and state dollars are invested in Maine during the next few years, 
That's according to new analysis of Department of Labor data from the Maine Connectivity Authority and an outside consultant. Broadband providers say they're often bringing workers in from other states for days at a time to get a job done. And though a few private sector programs and one community college in Maine offer training for prospective broadband workers, the talent pipeline is relatively sparse. Kwame Yaboa of the Maine Connectivity Authority says the agency is working with the immigrant population, retirees, formerly incarcerated people, and those in recovery, among others, to attract them to the broadband workforce. The idea is to go to them, try to work with agencies that are working with them, and find creative ways of re-engaging them in a field like this because the pay is pretty good, benefits are pretty good, and demand is going to soar in the next couple of years. I mean, it's starting right now. About a dozen students are enrolled in a pilot training program through Washington County Community College. A similar program at Central Maine Community College is in the works. And Yuboa says he plans to create a mobile learning lab, which could travel around Maine to teach prospective trainees about careers in the industry. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Nicole Grisco. Some lawmakers want to make Whole Foods ineligible for state tax breaks because the national retailer no longer sells Maine lobster. But as Kevin Miller reports, business groups and state tax officials warned against such a move at a public hearing on Tuesday. Last fall, Whole Foods stopped selling Gulf of Maine lobster nationwide after Maine's lobster fishery lost two sustainability certifications. At the time, the decision was yet another public relations blow against Maine's $1.5 billion lobster industry, as it battled with conservation groups about whether fishing gear posed a threat to endangered North Atlantic right whales. So Senator Trey Stewart of Arista County fired back with his own bill, which he calls... An act to make Whole Foods wake up. (laughs) Stewart, who is the Republican minority leader in the Maine Senate, wants to block businesses from participating in two tax incentive programs if they ban, boycott, or restrict the sale of legally grown or harvested products from Maine based on a third-party certification. According to state documents, Whole Foods received a roughly $50,000 tax refund in 2021 for its Portland store under the Business Equipment Tax Reimbursement Program, often known simply as BETTER. We shouldn't be giving tax breaks and using Maine tax and Maine's tax system to aid any organization attempting to undercut a key industry in Maine. And yet that's exactly what we're doing right now. It has to stop. Stewart's bill received support from the Maine Lobstering Union, which represents some of the state's more than 5,000 licensed commercial lobstermen. But it's being opposed by a range of business groups, including the Maine Retail Association and the Maine Grocers and Food Producers Association. That group's executive director, Christine Cummings, told lawmakers that the proposal is, quote, misdirected, and the state instead should be looking to bolster Maine industries with tax incentives or investments in scientific research to combat misinformation. While we are sympathetic to the challenges of the Maine lobster industry, we do not support the premise that the legislature should create policy that seeks to disincentivize and financially burden businesses based on the products that they opt to sell or not to sell. We cannot support laws that impede on private business and their distinct business models. The bill is also opposed by the administration of Governor Janet Mills. The assistant commissioner of the Maine Revenue Services says it was unclear how the proposed law would be carried out and, as currently written, it could create constitutional concerns by seeking to restrict interstate commerce. For Maine Public Radio News, I'm Kevin Miller.
A new low-fare airline is coming to the Portland International Jetport. Breeze Airways will start providing service in May with nonstop flights to Charleston, South Carolina, and Tampa, Florida. It will also offer seasonal summer flights to Norfolk, Virginia, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Fares come in three bundles, nice, nicer, and nicest. Breeze says the new routes from Portland are currently on sale, starting at $39 one way. Portland's best-kept secret has struck again. The so-called Valentine's Day Bandit has placed hundreds of red paper hearts around city storefronts. A large banner hung outside the Portland Public Library. Another was placed at the top of the construction site for what will eventually be Maine's tallest building. The tradition has been going on every year since the 1970s. Betsy Rinesborough of Yarmouth says it's become an annual tradition to visit downtown Portland and admire the work of the Valentine's Day Bandit. I don't know how they do it, but it's got to be more than one person. And I feel like the person who did it 50 years ago would not, probably not be physically able to do it all themselves anymore. So it's got to be more than one, not the original person. Officials with the nonprofit Downtown Portland say they don't know the bandit's identity or how many hearts have been placed around the city. And that's today's Maine News. For more stories, visit mainepublic.org and join us tomorrow for Maine Calling at 11. I'm Carol Bousquet. Thanks for listening.